is the process by which students are funneled out of public schools and into the juvenile justice system. It's called the school-to-prison pipeline, and there is increasing evidence that it starts as early as preschool. The school-to-prison pipeline primarily victimizes black students, trapping them in a cycle of incarceration. I want to believe that every student wants to overcome the societal predictions of what's placed in them because of their race, sex, and the socioeconomic status. Increasingly, schools are cracking down on small offenses, such as cutting classes or being disrespectful. This is supposed to discourage more serious infractions, like drug or weapons possession. But what constitutes this disobedience or disrespect can be very subjective. A study in Texas found that 97% of the state's suspensions were made for subjective reasons, made at the discretion of school administrators and black students were 31% more likely to receive discretionary suspensions than white students. It obviously affects the individual who's actually entering the penal system, but you're affecting communities, you're affecting the economy, you're affecting families, you're affecting school systems. Disparity can start as early as preschool, when 48% of preschoolers who are suspended more than once are black. African-American boys are three times more likely to be suspended or expelled than their white counterparts. And black girls are suspended at higher rates than any other race. I want to believe every student is destined for success. They want to achieve. But more times now, we can't control certain things that happen in their homes. I had a student years ago. By the time they got to school, they said, hey, I walked through a crack house facility, prostitution. When I get here, I walk through a metal detector and people bother me. And I haven't eaten since lunch yesterday. And you're asking me to sit here in class and learn? There's a challenge. When students are kept out of school as punishment, they miss lessons and assignment and fall behind academically. They are more likely to be disciplined again, which can lead to further problems. The Texas study found that students who had been suspended or expelled were twice as likely to drop out. Adding to the problem, police officers stationed inside schools. When these officers react overzealously to minor infractions, they make small problems worse. Schools with officers have five times as many arrests for disorderly conduct as schools without them. All 25 of the nation's largest school districts have sworn police officers in at least some schools. As widespread protests emerged after George Floyd's death in police custody, Minneapolis School Board voted unanimously to end its contract with the police department and there is pressure from students, educators, and activists around the country for other school districts to do the same. And there are other solutions as well. We need more of our educators to take a genuine interest in the whole student as opposed to what they're going to teach on the board and so forth. And not be quick to actually discipline them, but be more mindful of the predicament they may be coming from and have an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying take away the discipline, but as you're adding that disciplinary act or that consequence, you're explaining why am I doing this. 
you're explaining the reason I am disciplining you is because this happened and this is how you can fix this down the line. I'm showing the genuine interest of actually being restorative and helping you and moving forward so this won't happen again be repeated. There are also proactive solutions, including hiring school guidance counselors instead of police officers. Experts say the best way to prevent incarceration is to provide more equal educational opportunities and to create environments that support all students. Hey, NBC News fans, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of You and the Law podcast show. One of the co-hosts of the show, uh, Virgil Green, and uh, the bearded guy that's sitting next to me that uh, you uh, won't see on camera tonight goes by the name of Chief Swaggy One. And I'm um, trying to get uh, our guest, uh, Pastor Jesse Jackson, on to the show. So uh, we're going to get him on and uh, talk about this uh, informative topic about um, the pipeline to, to prison in school, Chief. What's going on, Virgil, man? I'm... How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good, man. Yeah, yeah, a little bit under the weather, man. Yeah, man. A little bit under the weather, and I don't want to be uh, blowing my nose and stuff on camera. So, out of respect for well, our listeners. Well. Hey, man. Um, right. I got a, yeah, go I ahead. Have, I have a favor to ask you, man. You, you got a, a flavor or a favor? Favor. Favor. Oh yeah, what's your what's your uh stop posting pictures of snow? Your, stop posting pictures of snow. Hey man, you know what? I'm I'm gonna hold, hold on a second, man. Let me let me bring on the, the good pastor Jesse Jackson. Pastor, how you doing? Hi How you doing? Hey, how you doing, man. Hey, we're doing you. Yeah, we, yeah, we got a little uh little breakup, but uh can you hear us? Yes, sir. I sure okay, can. Okay. Yeah. Man okay. of Sigma. Man of God, man of Sigma. How are you? How are you, brother? How you you feel it? A little under the weather today, man, but um I'm doing good, man. Good. Good. I'm so glad to well, be back with you. You guys all so much for this invitation. Well, hey, we're we're glad to always have you on our podcast. It, uh, a man of, of faith and a man of wisdom, and and this this uh, topic tonight, I know you know a lot about, uh, and we'll get into that. But Pastor, before we get into it, my co-host is 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 on me about me posting pictures of snow, and and you know, I'm up here in Minnesota, man, and I'm not used to all this snow, and so I'm I'm doing my my impression of being a weatherman. And letting people know back in Oklahoma City what I'm dealing with, and and so now, so you know, man, just just enjoy the pictures. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> okay, Bert. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so so, Pastor Jackson, for those who uh, who maybe the first time listening to our podcast, won't you? Uh, let everybody know, you know, 
who you are, what you do, and um, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. I, I am in my 20s past the, the E63, uh, on the path, the first and only one. I've uh, been there, like I said, 20, uh, but when I fit, uh, be more involved with community, more involved with the young so I also they begin to teach. And I taught first in a, in a here in Oklahoma City, the Marcus School, and to my program at Marcus, I, I moved to O's. And let me just tell you a little bit. It's called a make it, you know, me. And so, so it was class. Not the best way is to educate principally. African American, and so I started second grade with him each year. I was fourth grade and fifth grade, and so the 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 program that sixth grade to middle school, and and that's uh the ones that on a four year plan and graduated or on the way. We have some that are on uh, uh and did. I said he is to be in, in the community. You be different on purpose. Some would become fathers before none of them would go, go to the penitentiary. Some of them would do some of the negative things that have been influenced. And that's exactly have done. So I would, that situation as a result. I'm still, but I'm in an alternative and most of the young men in the system at some kind are either uh, either ward to the state or adjudicated. The interesting part, there is a, the whole section of rules that deals with young folks that are everywhere in the public schools. I was living in a group home, spec, uh, but those that was an integrity so St. Anthony's or, or some of them day sites for those kids. Okay. That, that's a different challenge right there. Yeah. Hey, hey, Pastor, we, we're getting some, uh, not a really good audio, and I don't know, I think it's going to be on your end because uh, we're kind of, you know, getting hit and misses of, of what you're saying. So I want to make sure we got a a good audio uh, sound. The video is good. It's just the, the okay. audio is kind of cutting in and out. Just some on my end. So, so we'll let we'll let you uh, try to work that out. You you may have to uh, log out and, and log back in with that link that I sent you. Because I want, because this is a very important topic, and I want to make sure that everybody um, can can be a part of this 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 conversation. Yes, sir. Uh, let let this work for a minute. If not, I, I have to log out. I should get rid of some of this. Okay. Okay. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm working with them in there, and. Uh, that is, uh, uh, 
but it's on students that are present everywhere. Some some of those the regular school they just have not uh, uh, they just have not been the same behavior. It's the same thought pattern, the same communities, uh, uh, and really teachers have to be and I, I just don't believe you that you don't want you know you, you have to want something good from them I, I think to bring it yeah well you know Pastor I don't know if you saw the, the uh, opening clip that, uh, that that I played where you know they talked about you know how this pipeline to prison how, how it impacts you know our our black youth and you know pastor for a very long time and even currently people have blamed the school resource officers uh for being in the schools that they're the ones that is that are responsible for kids going to juvenile detention but you know pastor i'm gonna ask you this question to me i think it starts with the with the schools itself i mean um, give an example. You may have a, a school resource officer in a predominantly white school. They don't have that problem. You have a, a, a school resource officer in a in a school that is, uh, you know, made of minority students, black and Hispanics. And you have a different mindset of the teachers and the administrators that deals with those students. So. To me, a police officer just can't arbitrarily take a, you know, take a student out of the school. That has to initiate with the principals. Well, it and the resource officer. Uh, it, I think the resource officer is fruit, and that's the first to talk about. But it begins a lot earlier than that. The great and the and the community. Yeah, tried to do with my Mark describing was unity to try to strengthen the because happen is that no matter what it was these kids we can ready to go into the Christmas so when you got the kids going home for two weeks an environment that, that there is that there is so most of what you he's going to lose during that time. So, you know, you do all this good work and then he loses all that and you have to start over and over again. So, bigger than just, just the resource officer, was a case that I'm dealing with right now. So, we're handcuffed by, we're handcuffed. The Department of Human Service have changed the, the rules. So, kids know the rules better than we do. And that that's certain things that we cannot for today that in, none of us would, would have been able to get away with doing, and none of us would be able to do the work that we need to do by the teachers but these guys and these guys like no, no I'm not doing it I'm not doing it they can't make me do it they can't even make me go to school yes. hands on kids i'm just talking about the kind of that you you can't then 
if it's nothing to hold over their head, not even grades, do the work that they are required to do it. Now, if you give me as a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old the choice, and what I'm probably not going to choose because I'm my 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 centeredness. Be thinking of two or three things, and ain't none of them got nothing. And just set up like like that. I think that that part, that the home and the community part, that and the resource office. Some issues, yeah. with, with some resource office too. But yeah. Several things. Okay. Okay. Hey, Pastor, we're 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 still having some some audio quality. Uh, and uh, are you on the on your on a laptop or your cell phone? Phone. Now. You're on, uh, you're on your phone. Yeah. You you probably got yeah. If you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you're on your cell phone, maybe you can switch over to a. Um, uh, a, a, a computer laptop or something. I think we'll get a better quality sound because it, it, it's yes, coming in and out. And it's and like I said, it's, this is a very good topic. And and, uh, and, and so I want to make sure that we uh, are, uh, everything is real clear um, because I, we're going to have a lot of guests come on. So if, if you want to switch that out and, and then uh, uh, come back in on the link, and uh, we'll be waiting on you. All right. I, I think I'm in the right now. Are you? I should just want to. Okay. All right. All right, Chief Humphrey, you got, did you have a comment? Yeah, I, I will tell you, man, that as a former school officer uh, for, you know, many years ago, I will tell you that there were administrators who did use school resource officers to intimidate kids. Um, I mean, you yeah. know, they would actually say, hey, come in, this officer's coming to arrest you. Uh, this officer, uh, and then when you go, okay, officer, handcuff them or, you know, before before they brought the kid in, hey, let's, let's scare him or her by putting the handcuffs on him. Well, you, you don't do that. And Correct. so, and then a lot of times, we have gotten law enforcement involved in school issues, which are totally civil or administrative. It's not um, criminal. And so when you use a school resource officer to go into a classroom because a child is being loud, and you use a school resource resource officer to make sure the kids go to class, that's that in itself can come back to bite you. And a school resource officer program is only as good as the MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, that the schools have with the uh, police department, that the police department have with the schools. In that MOU, it should state very clearly what are the duties of police, what aren't the duties of police, and what are the duties of administrators. And so we... Both, I know in the past, we've used each other as leverage. And that is why you have that reality 
for some. I'm not going to even say perception because it is true. There have been a lot of kids that have been uh, targeted and have been part of this pipeline to prison just based on the fact that they start writing them tickets. So you take them to juvenile and these kids have a record for something that could have been handled in the school. So, yeah, uh, pastor's right about that. Yeah. Well, you know, Pastor Jackson, uh, you're back with us. You know, I want to say, I think one of the things that that is really concerning is that, you know, you've got we're all adults and as adults, we, we make bad decisions. Police make bad decisions. School administrators make bad decisions. You have the, you know, school administrator call or get the uh, school resource officer to come in and intimidate the uh, an elementary school uh, student or a middle school student. And now that child has got a, a negative impression of the police instead of the police officer saying, listen, that's not what I'm here for. We're not going to go down that road. The police officers kind of buy into what the school wants them to do. So there, there's, there's fought on both parts uh, to me, uh, pastor. Yes, sir. I, I, you know what? Uh, <clears throat> I, I think that this is an issue for teachers and school administration administrators and everybody. When we go through our training and our professional development, they talk about differentiated learning and they talk about learning styles. And all of us have different learning styles. Some of us have multiple ones. Uh, we're auditory learners or we're kinesthetic learners or what have you. And, and what too many teachers, administrators do is that they make all the kids fit into their particular learning style and into their box. And it may not be the right box. And Correct. they force people in that box. And I think so many resource officers, and I'm just using them as an example right now, they have the same, the same thing. And and you have you can't deal with everybody the same way. Everybody right. has their own triggers and stuff. And I and I know, you know, split second stuff, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. But every situation does not require you to be in a bully type situation. Yeah. I mean, if there's some folks that, that respond better to you having a conversation like this, than they will to you getting in their faces. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's really only one way to go when you do that. Yeah, it is, it is. So, so Pastor Marcus Garvey, uh, that was a private school, wasn't it? It was a public charter. Public charter school. Yeah. But it no longer does. Does Marcus no Garvey? Longer, it no, no longer is it. So when you when you were a part of that, and and I heard you know back then I heard a lot of great things about it. Did you see a difference in how Marcus Garvey operated versus say how maybe Moon operated, or say maybe you know another uh, school on the east side of Oklahoma City? I think Marcus Garvey was unique from all the other schools now, and 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 people always compared it to Kip. Yeah, but that's that's not that, that's not the comparison because Kip is a college preparatory. It is. School. Mm-hmm. It had a completely different class. Some of the students that we were dealing with at Marcus Garvey, they couldn't have got in Kip. They mm-hmm. couldn't, you know, academically, and so we had a different focus. It was an African centered focus. And it was focused on the community 
And so we were not only educating them, which required a large commitment from the staff and from the faculty. We got there before a lot of people and we were required to stay there. We were required to come back uh, when we had community programs. And part of our job was also educating parents. We had something called Parent University. Because we were really, we recognized that if you didn't do something with the family or anything with the community, then you were going to be defeating your purpose. Because you would be sending kids right back in the same situation. It's like giving them a bath but then putting them back on the same dirty clothes. Yeah, yeah. And that's not that's not good. So we, we just had a different focus. And the focus was more holistic. Uh, and, and, and even the kind of uh, uh, extra classes that we had in there, you know, in terms of the African drumming and dance and and a lot of the other things that we did. We had everything but athletics, right? Later on, we did get wrestling. We got everything but like football and basketball. And of course, kids, when they reach the sixth grade or seventh grade, you know, that's what they want to do. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, we start losing some kids to Moon and to other places because they had the teams that the kids wanted to compete. Compete in, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, uh, Pastor, I uh, just want to remind everybody that tonight's topic is what actually is the pipeline to prison? And, uh, you know, I think this was especially with, you know, we've had all these mass shooting in school. Some of them have occurred with from students themselves. And you made a comment about just everybody learns at a different level. Yeah. And and, you know, I'm a you know, my kids were in the Middale School District. And I remember one morning um, they were in elementary and uh, I was went to the school, took them to school. And I think I was in there talking to the teachers or something. And the teachers were very stringent and strict about the students standing with their hands on their side or their hands behind them, kind of like stand at attention. And if a kid got out of line, the te- I remember this one teacher would just, she would lose it. And I, w- I walked up to this lady that morning and I asked her and I said, is that necessary? And she had an attitude with me and said, well, you know, it is necessary. You don't understand these kids. And I said, these are elementary school kids. And I said, and, and by the way, you know, two of my kids are here. And I don't think you should be talking to anybody's child that way because they are not standing in, in line. And so, you know, I saw a, a, an image of, of a kid standing in a cafeteria with their hands either by, beside them or behind them. And then I saw another picture of in uh, of guys in prison standing in a in a line to get food in the same position and so it's almost like do we not realize what we're doing pastor because it's uh, we're we're so demanding that these kids stand in line if you step out of line you're you're going to get sent to the principal's office or you're going to get sent to some kind of in school suspension and it's like, where is the education part of it? 
Uh, you know, it, it's, it's like we only have one speed, and I always use this example. If the only tool in your tool belt is a hammer, then all of your problems are going to be conceived as nails. And, you know, I'd rather not kill flies with a hammer. Mm-hmm. And think yeah. of the damage that you do with that. And, and But that's basically what we do in terms of discipline a lot because it, it becomes a thing of respect and you want to make everybody do things exactly like you want them to do. And that's not really practical any more than it is for my first for my first grade year old grandson uh, to be in a class where the teacher is going to insist that he sit still. Well, first grade boys don't sit still. No. I mean, it, it, they don't. They don't. I, and, and I really don't know that they can really in first grade. That takes some discipline. That's, a, that's an entirely different effort. And I think our expectations are outdated and our memories are not good because we tell the stories about, well, when I was a child, this is what we did. Now, I don't, I don't think you really remember things the way you did things. Yeah, yeah. So, so Keith, when, when you were in elementary, yeah, you know, that's a long time ago for you, man, a long <laughs> time ago. Did, did you see the, the, the things that we're seeing now in public education? I did not, and, and uh, I went to uh, private school. I was fortunate enough. I mean, my parents were able to put me through private school, but I did have a lot of friends that actually did go to the public schools. As a matter of fact, at one point, my mother was a public school teacher, and you know, we used to just look at here's some of the things uh, that they, you know, they would say uh, that were that were going on, um, you know, and you know, fortunately. You know, unfortunately, you know, some of those kids have uh, did not earn, did not know the value of discipline, did not know the value of education. Uh, basically, thought that you know, you go to school to have fun, you go to school to fight, uh, you go to school to um, you know handle your problems. And so, you know, this is this is third party. Well, I will tell you that my my youngest daughter. Uh, did go to public school while I was in Norman, and um, you know she was she was there. I believe right at the well, she wasn't there when we got the school resource program started. But when they had a police department, as you all know, Norman Public Schools had a police department, and that was yeah. their main focus. Their main focus was more reaction, more uh, intimidation. Uh, more, I'm going to write a ticket or we're going to take you to jail. And Pastor, you probably find this interesting. When we did take over that program, we didn't have any records, any records. And you know, as a police department, you're mandated to keep records, especially as a school police department. You're, you're mandated to keep records of arrest, contact, citations. Pastor and Virgil, we couldn't find any of those. Are you serious? Right. That, yeah. I mean, that, that's required by that's required by state law. It's required by state law. But let me let me just share this with you really quick. So when we started the journey to become part of the schools, to be a, a partner with the school and came to resources, resource officers, Joe Siano, who was the uh, superintendent at that time, basically said he wanted a partnership. And he wanted a partnership where we were proactive 
and we were not doing the job that the school administration or the teachers were supposed to do. We were there for the safety of the students and also to teach, help our students understand what a police department's uh, responsibility and to make them feel safe. That made it very clear. And like I said before, when we um, established our MOU, it was spelled out. Now, I will tell you that first year, the teachers, because they had been so used to what was going on with the Norman Public School Police Department, teachers would not even try to get involved, even if a kid was late. They wanted us to do it. And we made it very clear. So it took us a, a year uh, to come to the come get on the same page that this is what our responsibilities are. This is what your responsibilities are. And so uh, we are just a society, uh, Master and Ver, we're a society of intimidation. Uh, we're, we're a society of, I'm going to intimidate you, we're a society of enforcement. And our kids are falling victim to that, unfortunately. If, if you are in public education and you believe that your only job is to teach and stand before students, I, I, I think you 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 are in the wrong profession. Uh, yeah. we, we have jobs that go beyond that, and 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 we always have. But I will say this: back when we came along, I know when I came along, we also had corporal punishment in school. Yeah, and yeah. So really teachers did. teachers handle a lot of discipline. Principals handle a lot of discipline, and 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 that's probably why we didn't have resource officers. You're right. You're absolutely right. And you know, man, and especially if you were an athlete, oh my goodness, <laughs> that was a whole different form of punishment, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I would, you know, you didn't even, and your parents wouldn't even argue. Uh, you go home and you tell your parents that uh, you were paddled, you would probably get mm. another blanket. Because what did, what did you do to get paddled? You know, what did you do to get, receive corporal punishment? What did you do? to go to the school, you know, go to the principal's office. Because, you know, really and truly, you didn't have a lot of detention halls back then. You, you, you just didn't have the Well, my dad was my middle school principal. Okay. So, oh, wow. you know, going, going to the office was not fun. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, uh, I just think just over the decades, you have to ask yourself, as society has changed and, and, and Pam uh, has a comment in the chat room that says, you know, kids are different today. Society is different and rules of engagement have to be different than when when we went to school. Um, you know, and then I think we got another another uh, person in the chat room. Um, uh, Nikki, who says pipeline to prison uh pull it up pipeline to prison no father or bad father um you know the parents play a significant role in 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 the child's education but when you send your kids to school and kids are subject to more violence than than they have ever seen they're dealing with kids who have other other issues going on. How do you, and you have some kids who are just trying to, they're going to school to do what they're, as their parents have told her, have asked of them. But 
when you're dealing with all those external or internal things, pastor, and then you're dealing with a teacher who has a bad attitude, then you're dealing with a counselor who has a bad attitude, then you're dealing with a principal who has a bad attitude. How do you expect for kids to really respond when they're dealing with all these negative issues? Man, it, it is a it is a combustible situation um, because we always talk about bad apples in in every profession, and and that comes up a lot when we talk about uh, uh, you know excessive force with certain police officers mm-hmm. and things like that. But the same thing works for teachers and administrators as well. You have some that that are bad, and we have society that's going on like this. I don't, it never crossed my mind all the time that I was growing up and going to school that I would not come home because of a classroom shooting. You know, I mean, when I was in high school, I mean, most of the boys had shotguns in their trucks on the racks back there. You know, nothing was ever thought of, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in that kind of manner. I think, yeah, I think was, especially was, when you, if you lived in Mississippi and Arkansas yeah, and Texas. Yeah. In New Mexico, and, and, yeah. And this week was like the tenth, the ten year anniversary of Sandy Hook. Yeah. And then we dealt with everything last year down in Texas at Uvalde. Well, they they, they come in every couple of times a year, every year now. Yeah. Uh, and and none of that was even. It just was not thought of. And so when I say a combustible thing, you have kids uh, with certain different ad- attitudes. You have communities that are not. Uh, are not as cohesive as they used to be in the families in those communities, not as cohesive. And you got some teachers that uh, because, because the, the profession of education is not, is not valued by our legislators, they're lowering the standards and they pretty much think that anybody can teach. And so they, they keep dropping standards. And I think one of the things on the table here in Oklahoma is that you no longer need to be degree to teach. Wow. And so, yep. you know, yeah. we, we, it, it's a whole it's a whole kind of dangerous gumbo that we're cooking now. And and if there there is no wonder why things explode so often in, in school. And I think that everybody's at fault. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's going to take a collective effort. And really, like we tried to do at Marcus Garvey, uh, dealing with the community and dealing with parents and, 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 and those at home. And that takes more than just somebody who just wants to go to school and teach from eight three and then go home. You know what? Yeah, we're, exactly. we're missing another important component in this, too. Uh, do our children have a fair chance? And let me explain what I'm saying. If, if a kid gives a teacher a problem in this class, do you not think those teachers talk at break, and and then some, and then that child's reputation? I'm not saying that you don't have kids. By no means am I saying you don't have kids that are that are giving teachers trouble. But if you have a if you have a teacher who doesn't understand, especially kids who look like us, and um, that's all they do is badmouth this one kid. This kid is giving me trouble. This kid won't sit down. This kid won't do this. This kid talk back. This kid this. And then they're having that conversation in the teacher's lounge. And then they're having that conversation on admin days. The whole entire teaching line 
has formed an opinion of this kid and do you believe our kids are getting a fair chance when this happens well, well you know Keith and Nikki says this in the in the chat that she says school districts need the right and flexibility to have troubled children removed from the classroom you know Nikki may have not been watching the the beginning of the podcast show and some others may have not caught the, the video clip that we played where the principal of the schools uh his comments were these kids are in, in the inner city they're riding public transportation to get to a school then they're walking through these uh parts of, uh, of the community where there's gangs where there is all of the type of crimes that are going on. So these kids are walking to school, seeing all of these things. And by the time they get to school, they may not have had breakfast. They may be late. Then all of a sudden they're being told you can't go to the, you can't go to the bathroom or no, you can't have uh, an, an apple or whatever it may be. And now you have just that relationship with that student is not going to be good throughout the day. Yeah. And, and, and so, and, and as adults, do we not even stop to realize kids are going through a lot of stuff that as an adult, you would never go through. It probably didn't experience as a kid growing up. But the Virgil, many of them have PTSD for the very reasons that you said. Yeah. And and I mean, and this is why this is why mental health uh, is so important and getting this to them. We don't know if they slept last night or how yeah. they slept or if they had to defend mama or if they had to defend themselves or a sibling. And some kind of way they got a chance to escape coming to school. And that's why I think our first or even our second effort can't just be to hit them with this force and to make them do what we need them to do because there's some folks somewhere else trying to make them do some other things and and they they have trauma behind that and nobody wants to deal with the trauma that these young folks legitimately have legitimately yeah. have and and, and i want to say there's certain mile markers uh, and most of the research says if people don't learn to read and don't learn some developmental study habits by the third grade, then it's over. We do know that by the third grade, a kid knows whether or not they like school. Correct. And if they don't like school at that point, it's going to be rough as far as they go. But if they do like school, there is hope. Fifth yeah. grade is a mile marker with the test. Uh, and uh, I think eighth grade. There's some tests that have to take in the eighth grade here in Oklahoma. And if they don't pass that test, that reading test, they can't get a license at 16. And they said for years that the test that these young people have to take in the third grade basically determine how many prison cells they build. If it, I mean, because it, 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 a is certain true. percentage is, That's true. you know, uh, fail these third grade tests again, because they know about third grade is it. The handwriting is on the wall for a lot of things. They know what they got to build. And so yeah. you can conceivably go to school in rundown schools, live in rundown public houses, 
drive rundown cars, ride rundown buses, and then go to prison and have next generation computers. Yeah, exactly. If the prison yeah. is the if the prison is the best place that you've ever lived, the cleanest place that you've ever lived, that says something about our priorities in this our, society. Our society, exactly. That is, that yeah. is so. That is that is yeah. so. That is so true. That is that is yeah. so true. I got a Nikki. Nikki, I'm looking at Nikki's response, and she said, "Kids send kids with trauma back home, so they do not affect others not responsible for their their plights." So, in other words, what I'm I'm hearing is give up on those kids. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misunderstanding what she's saying, but she's saying send the kids with trauma back home. So you send the kids for, with trauma back home to where they where the trauma initiated. Yeah. Well, well, Keith, and then we got, uh, you know, a comment from uh, from Pam who says, you know, there there are a lot of teachers who are in the teaching profession by default. Uh, she says by that, I mean, they couldn't find the job of their dreams or of their choice. And they defaulted to teaching to make ends meet, not good for the kids or the system. And, and I think, Pastor, you you mentioned something about now there's talk about because of the teacher shortage that you can get a emergency teaching cert certification without having a degree. And I think there you also alluded that some school districts are even looking at just saying that you don't have to have a, a bachelor's degree uh, to become a yeah. teacher. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're doing it, and you know, oh, and Oklahoma is is leading the way with some of the most asinine laws passed by our legislator. They had some stuff that went into effect last year that state employees could take time off work to serve in classrooms. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, that was that. The governor, I don't know where he came up with that and stupid I'm idea. Like, I mean, so you just think that anybody can do it. You can go into you know, a classroom. Person, I think anybody can do your job as governor. Yeah. So let me take a day <laughs> off and do your job and see what you know and see how that all that works. Yeah. But you know, it, it, it's it's people have devalued the idea of education. Public education has been under attack, and it's under attack more than anything else by the state legislature and politicians there that that really they want to take public funds and give it to private schools. To private, yeah. Um, and, and they continue to ask public schools to make bricks without straw. Yeah. I mean, we t we're taking away more and more resources, yet we're asking you to do more and more. And if we're spending money, you're making us spend money that we really don't have on testing. And on some of the testing, it's this, you're going to, you got people that are defining the problem and then giving you the answer in these tests to back up the problem that they're saying to justify them getting more and more money. We're not spending on what we really need to spend money on, on retaining some of the teachers we have because they're going to go to Texas, they'll go to Kansas, they go to Arkansas, uh, New Mexico, and make a heck of a lot more money than they make in Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't think too many are going to Arkansas. I think Arkansas has the same problem that Oklahoma has. <laughs> uh, but hey, Pastor, I want to remind everybody that tonight's topic uh, of the podcast is what actually is the pipeline to prison, and I want to get to uh, a comment that that Nikki Nikki made, and you know I think Nikki is um, 
I'm gonna pull this up. She says uh, you want kids to far fare better. Search for absent fathers and drag those fathers back into the home. You know, Nick, I can kind of probably, uh, you know, see where you're coming from. But I think, you know, this conversation is about the pipeline to prison. Obviously, when you have both parents in the home, kids are, are a lot more successful. But also when you have single mothers have raised young men to become very successful. And so you have a lot of women who who work, who make sure their kids go to, to school to get an education. And I'm reminded of, of the sitcom Good Times. They lived in the project, but they made sure that Michael, Thelma, and JJ went to school, no matter of what their environment was, but they came from a two-parent home. So I don't know, Nikki, are you saying that that, you know, black women uh, cannot, um, you know, make sure that their kids who are their fathers are absent, that that's a problem. Because at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of great examples of a lot of kids who have become, whether they're athletes, pastor, or whether they become successful in the business world, but they came from a home where it was just them and their mother and not the father. Well, you had a, you had a man that became the president of the United States that didn't have a father. It, exactly. Exactly. And, and you, you know, you had a woman that became a vice president whose family, um, uh, whose father uh, left, uh, divorces her mom. But let me say this. Yeah. In a perfect world, we understand a, a two parent household is, is, what we expect is what we believe is the key to successful kids. Now, that's in a perfect world. We know that's not possible. So we, but, but let me say this. When you tell somebody that because you don't have a father in the house, that's what they hear, you're going to be unsuccessful. You're planting that seed that they can't do it. They can't make it. Now, it's the same thing when they go to school and you ignore the fact that they may have some type. They may not learn. It's like it's like the pastor said, they may not learn as fast as someone else. And I do believe that that we do give up on our kids. I do believe that teachers get frustrated. And I get it. Some of these kids do cause you to become frustrated. But there's more kids that don't do that than there are that are frustrated. And I think a lot of times we do break the paint kids with that broad brush. Because we think, because they look a certain way, dress a certain way. Hell, let's just face it, guys. If it wasn't for school lunch programs and breakfast programs, we have kids that would not even get a meal. We, yeah. we have kids that wouldn't get a meal. So, so yes, these some of these kids are coming to school angry. Some of these kids are coming to school believing that that they just have to go to school for no purpose whatsoever. Yeah, I believe the statistics. The statistics are are facts. I mean, the statistics are true. We have a lot of majority of the of the of the, of the black kids in, in prison, and also white kids do not have not had a fa have not had a father figure in the house. They will tell you that. But but we still owe those kids an opportunity to grow. We owe those kids an opportunity not to uh, push them into the pipeline. 
and, and, and we just got to realize that. And it's like it's like Pastor Jackson said, our society is just, you know, when you when you have to go to prison to find the uh, technology, high level technology or uh, 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 the softest bed you ever laid into or the, or the warmest meal you've ever eaten, we do have a problem. Yeah. Well, Keith, and I think Nikki asked a question in the chat room. Are you talking about you are talking about prisons, right? I think, Nikki, you know, what we're talking about is a pipeline to prison. The 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 theme has always been that the police officers have played a, a role in this pipeline to prison. That's why there's such a uh, in recent years uh, an effort to remove school resource officers from schools. But Keith, you were a school resource officer. I spent uh, some time with the Tulsa Public Schools where we had our own campus police. We had school resource officers in the schools. These officers over the years and decades build very good relationships with these students. And some of these officers, hopefully, hopefully. well, it's hopefully, but you, you hear a lot of good stories where these students were, you know, this school resource officer was in this uh, middle school all the way. And then in the same school where they graduated high school and they come back and I've heard stories of, of, of people coming back saying, Hey, if it wasn't for you being in my ear, being that father figure, there's no telling where I would have ended up. So these guys, these guys and women do build relationships with students. And yeah, you do have a lot who are there for the wrong reasons, just like you have teachers who are there for some of them for the wrong reason. So the pipeline to prison, to me, it starts with the discipline that the school has. And, and you know, let's just think this, you know, in the clip earlier, if you stand out of, out of line or you're not uh, standing at a kitchen or you do something, you get sent to the office and you get disciplined. And now all of a sudden you become rebellious and you're, you're finding yourself. So now, oh, well, hey, take him to juvenile detention. Well, now you have put this kid and his his family in the in the juvenile justice system over something that you should have handled in the school. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right, Chief. I, I honestly believe that, and believe it or not, that happens often, every day, too often. Um, I want to push back on something that was said in the chat room just a little bit. I, I, I think we concentrate always and, and, and on fathers, and I take my role as a father and a grandfather extremely serious. I was blessed to be in the home with my father. I've had nothing but good men in my life. I, I may be the exception to a whole bunch of folks. Mm -hmm. However, I will say this. I think it has always taken a community of father figures. Even if the father was not in the house, there, there was a coach, there was an uncle, there was a neighbor, there was a teacher, there was somebody and, and, and a group of somebody's at church that were able to pour uh, into that young man, a scout master, uh, uh, whatever it was. But I, I, I'm saying teachers. Like I started with those young boys at Marcus Garvey in the second grade. Let me ask both of you gentlemen here. 
what was the first grade where you had a black teacher? Not a principal, not a coach, but a black classroom teacher. For me, it was a in the first male, grade. A black male classroom. A black male? Oh, I, I, I never saw a black was, male teacher. For me, it was uh, second grade. It was second grade. Yeah, I, that, for, for, for me, I, I only had, um, you know, female black teachers from first grade up until uh, third grade, third or fourth yeah. grade, yeah. Well, man, I, I, I tell you, uh, to, to have a black male teacher, somebody who you can really identify with is a blessing. It was a blessing to me in graduate school to have somebody that looked like me. So guess what it is in elementary school, particularly lower elementary, where you have somebody who's more likely to share the same kind of experiences that you share and more likely to be able to respond in a positive way or in a different kind of way than just sending you to the office. Even if it's nothing but boy, sit your butt over there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's what it takes instead of, let me write you this referral. Right. Uh, Oklahoma City Public Schools right now is dealing with the Justice Department because of the number of referrals for African American and Hispanics that they have written over the years. Right. I mean, yeah. so I mean, it, it, it's a federal mandate now that we have to deal with discipline in a much different way. Again, because they perceive every kind of thing as an offense to be written up or to be kicked out of school. And when you look at it, folks were kicked out of school for something that basically was trivial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, hey, Pastor, uh, man, we're coming up on the last few minutes of the podcast. And I think, you know, this is I knew this was going to be a, 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 another informative topic, uh, especially to have you on with your background. And and I think this is this is like a, a series of podcasts to have about the pipeline to prison. And, and so, you, you know, I think even with the engagement that we've had with people that are listening to the show, we're going to have to get you back on again. And uh, because, again, I think this is just, you know, to hear your insights uh, from, you know, being a father, you know, being a black man, being a father, being in the education and being a pastor. That's a wealth of, of, of knowledge right there. Bless you, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate and, you. And, and also being a man of Sigma. So we got to get that in there, Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, Pastor, I, I, you. I, pre I appreciate y'all so much, man, and, and, and bringing this conversation uh, to light and just having it. Because uh, this is the kind of stuff we talk about in the barbershop, but we don't always talk about it where other folks can listen in. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, you know what? In, in, you know, we're going to be going into 2023. And so we're going to we're going to we're going to make this a, a, a another podcast uh, in a series to, to really talk about this and see how we can help change the culture of uh, of this pipeline to prison. So, Pastor, we we definitely thank you for coming on and, and joining us and, and happy holidays to you and your family. And and uh, we will definitely uh, get you back on in 2023. God bless you, man. Same to you all. Have a wonderful holiday and look forward to talking to y'all real soon. All right. I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you all. Uh, all right, Virgil. All right.